Grab your Bibles. The Gospel of Mark. If you're visiting, we have been going through the Gospel of Mark together, walking through it, learning what the disciples learned, and being hopefully transformed as the disciples were transformed, and allowing the Scriptures to change us. If you don't have a Bible with you and you're in the pew sections, there are Bibles underneath black Bibles. You're welcome to take one of those. If you don't own a Bible, take it along. Somebody asked me during beginning of church to actually in worship, they walked up and said, I'm, I'm going to go visit somebody who's not a believer. Um, I believe they're not a believer. Could I take one of the church Bibles? I said, absolutely. That's why they're there. Um, give them away to somebody. We love buying more Bibles. I love it. And so uh, the Gospel of Mark, the third chapter. I'm going to read a section of scripture today that you're going to say, how are you going to possibly preach a sermon out of that section? And... Uh, I really think God has something, literally it could be life-changing to preach out of this section to us today. Um, it's, a, it's something that I think if we grasp, functioning as a kingdom minister suddenly makes sense. But it's something that if we don't grasp, we feel like we're always guessing. Have you ever felt that way? You're trying to figure out what God wants. You're maybe even thinking, should I minister to this person? Should I pray for that person? Should I share my testimony with this one? Should I share the gospel with that one? And you just feel like you're always kind of guessing. Well, God wants us to not guess. He wants us to be led and use us. And this text is going to show us, give some insight into that today. So we're going to start in the 13th chapter, the story of Jesus, the 13th verse of the 3rd chapter. Thank you. That's why God gave me a wife. Chapter 13. Chapter 3, verse 13. Let's read this. It says, And he, and who's he? Capital H there? Jesus. And he went up on the mountain and summoned those whom he himself wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, so that they would be with him, and that he could send them out to preach, and to have authority to cast out demons. And he appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James. To them he gave the names Borjonis, which means sons of thunder, and Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. What do we have here? It's a story of a day in the life of Jesus. When one day after a night of prayer, and it says that in another one of the gospel events, he calls 12 men to his side to be his closest 12, to be, as we call it in scripture, to be his disciples. A word that maybe we would say is to be his followers or his students. And he calls 12 out of the multitudes and he says, I want you to be, to be close to me because I've got some things to teach you. And he takes these 12 men that he would then invest into for the next approximately three years, And then he was going to release them at the end of three years. He knew his plan. They didn't. And he he knew he would release them after just three short years to really start the movement that we know as Christianity. And you know what? His plan worked all right, didn't it? We're in church today because of 12 men that Jesus called to himself from a mountaintop. And he said, come, be with me. That's why we're here today. Because he started that and he he did that. His plan is working all right. Now understand something today. If you have responded to the Holy Spirit's call to come to be a follower of Jesus Christ, like those men responded to his call, then you have responded to his call to be a disciple, to be a student of Jesus Christ, to be a follower of Christ. Do you understand that? 
You have. We have. Well, I think that in Mark's story here about Jesus' selection of the first twelve, that he gives us, as as he tells the story about it, he gives us some insight into what the life of the disciple is to be, what their life is, was to be, and what our life as disciples is to be. Because we can conclude if they are disciples and we are disciples, then what he called the twelve to, he also calls us to, because we're also disciples. And I want us to look primarily at just two verses from this text today that we read that speak to what he called the twelve to, and we're going to see how that applies to us. Verses 14 and 15. It says, And he appointed twelve so that they would be with him and that he could send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. Look what Jesus says there about his twelve and about us. Jesus says he calls his disciples to be with him to preach and have authority to cast out demons. What I want to do today for the rest of our time together, together is I want to talk about how does that relate to you and me. The first thing I notice is this. Is that it's very interesting that the first thing that Jesus calls his disciples to is to just be with him. He didn't send them off to seminary. No, but we do. Go get some education. He didn't do that. He called them to just be with him, and he said that they should just spend time with him. Now you would think that this would be the easiest thing that God asks of his disciples. He says, just talk to me. Just understand me better by by looking into my writings. Just sit with me or walk with me or silently listen for my voice. Just be with me. Here is where we find the foundation of a discipleship relationship. That the foundation of, of the relationship of, uh, in, in discipleship is this connected relationship where we get to just know Him better. Where we it can experience His love for ourselves. So often we talk about it, but we don't experience it because we live it through somebody else's story. He says, be with me, so you can experience it yourself. It's where we are to be with Him so that He can comfort us. And where he can redirect us when we get off course and where he can let us feel what he feels for the things that are important to him. When we're with him, we, we kind of catch who he is and, and what he feels and what's important to him. And when we're with him, it, it changes us. We begin to, he begins to rub off on us. And these are only things that happen to us by just being with him. You know, I really think that Jesus places being with him as the first thing here. Because it's really the most important thing. We can fill our lives with all kinds of activity. We can do all kinds of things that are important and some not important. And we can still live that life of busyness and really never spend time with Jesus. And we can even have the badge that says, Assemblies of God, member of Portview Church. Been there every week, never missed one. We can do all that stuff and never just be with Jesus. You see, I found something in my life. It's confession time. I have found that carving out time to just be with Jesus is the most difficult part of being his disciple to me. And I think most of you can relate to that because we're doers. Some of you are blessed with personalities that you just, you just love just sitting in the presence of the Lord. And you just, that's the, the hallmark of your life. But I got to admit, for me and for a lot of people, it is, it is difficult to just carve out time to just be with the Lord. 
It's so easy to busy ourselves with activity and to come to the end of a day and realize that we have spent a lot of energy talking about Jesus, a lot of energy talking about and doing other things, but we haven't really ever just been with Jesus. Have you ever done that? At the end of the day, you're pooped, you sit down, you turn on the news, and you realize, I've done a lot of stuff, but I haven't really just been with Jesus. And I found something else also in my walk of trying to just be with Jesus. I found that when I realize, when I have that epiphany, and I realize that I'm filling my day with everything but Jesus, that at that moment of realization, I have a choice to make. That when the light bulb comes on inside of my heart, and I realize I've filled my day with all kinds of stuff, but I haven't really filled it with present time with Jesus, that I have a choice to make. And that I can either choose to just keep getting things done or I can stop and I can change my focus. And that's what it's really all about. It's not necessarily even a change of activity. It's often just a change of focus, a change of attention. And I have found that I can even keep doing the same activity if it's something that I have to do. If you're at work and you're running a press, you can't just stop because you realize you haven't focused on Christ. I was a printer for years. Guess what? I had to keep the press running. But I found that I can even keep doing the same activity if it's unchangeable, but I can put my attention onto Christ. And then when I can get alone, not an excuse for not being alone, when I can get alone, I can then just sit down with Him and begin to talk with Him and enjoy His nearness. And you know what I found when I have that epiphany moment? And then I get alone and I begin to talk to the Lord and and I begin to realize that He's here and connect with Him again? When I adjust toward Him because I've been adjusted toward the world, when I adjust toward Him, you know what I found? I never sense a feeling of condemnation about being distant. You know what I generally do? I generally come in and I start to apologize. Oh God, I'm so sorry that I didn't. That God, I wasn't. And over the years I've learned the Lord starts to say, well Mark, shut up. (laughs) Stop wasting the time that you do have. You've been, now, you're, now you're wasting our time saying, oh, I'm sorry, instead of just being with Him. I've never felt the sense of condemnation. Rather, what I feel when I recognize that I've been distant is I feel a great sense of His love, and I recognize, I feel inside of me a sense of His joy toward me. That He's saying, you got it. He's not saying you missed it. He's saying, you got it. Church, we need to understand something. Jesus calls us to be with Him for a reason. You know what the reason is? He likes you. God enjoys us. He created us to be in fellowship with Him. That's why He created us. He didn't create us to scurry around the earth without Him. He didn't create us to even get things done for Him. He created us to be with Him. You know why? He likes us. He likes you. Look at the person next to you and say, God likes you. Some of you don't believe that. Somebody's told you God likes you and you say, yeah, yeah, but, Pastor Mark, I'm telling you, God's bigger than that. God created us to be in fellowship with Him because He enjoys us. I have something as a challenge for you this week. A challenge for you and a challenge for me. Are you up to a challenge right now? Thank you. Here's your challenge. Every morning this week, and I hope it becomes a pattern for life, 
And what I'm going to talk about is, obviously, I'm not going to talk about something that's, that's replacing time with the Lord. Because I hope every day we set aside a block of time to just be with the Lord. But I'm going to, I'm going to give us something, a challenge today to, to maybe kickstart that or maybe supplement that. And here's my challenge. That every morning this week, you're going to wake up and you're going to get alone for just a moment, just a couple minutes. And you're going to do something. Something that maybe you've never done before. You're going to say, good morning, Lord. I do this all the time. Good morning, Lord. And you're going to start, you're going to say, good morning, Lord. And you're just going to begin to tell him that this day, today, you want to be aware of his nearness. You're asking him. You're acknowledging the fact that this day is his, and I just want to be aware of your nearness. And you lay your day's activities out before him, and you ask him to walk through the day with you. Often I sit at my desk, and I say that, good morning, Lord. And I look at my calendar events, and I say, these are your events today, God. What do you want to do through them? And I, so I want you just to, to be aware of his nearness and lay out your day's activities and, and ask him just to walk through the day with you. And then during the day, here's the real challenge part of it. When you sense his nearness, I want you to acknowledge his presence. Now I'm not asking you to be weird. I'm not asking you at work to say, oh God, I know you're here. You know, that's going to get you fired. Or it's at least going to diminish your, diminish your witness. Because people are going to think you're a crackpot. But instead, when you sense His nearness, acknowledge His presence without being weird or even drawing attention to yourself and just in the quietness of your heart or under your breath or just if you're alone, you can say quietly, God, thank you that you're showing me that you're here. Thank you, God, that you're walking with me today. Because this is the goal, this is the objective that I want for all of us as people who walk with God, as disciples of God. I want you and I to cultivate an awareness of His presence with you throughout your days. We don't just meet Him in the prayer closet and then walk away from Him. That's what I want us to understand today. I want us to cultivate an awareness of the fact that He is with us throughout our days if we will be conscious of His nearness. You're going to find something, friends. You're going to find that He is always right here. He's always here to be with you. It's all about learning to live in his presence. You see, he said something amazing to the disciples one day. He said, it's better off that I die and go to heaven. Because then another comforter is going to come, the Spirit of God. And he's not going to just be with you, he's going to be in you. And he wants us to learn that his presence is always here. He's, he's not distant, he's right here. And we have to learn to cultivate an awareness of his presence. Otherwise, we spend time with God here, we shut the drawer, and we go about our business, and we come to the end of the day and we say, let's open the drawer again. God says, no, the drawer is open always. I want you to cultivate an awareness that I'm walking with you. And friends, we've got to get this part down to go on to the next part we're going to look at in the text. He says the first thing he calls the disciples to is just be with him. And he wants us to get, he wants us to get it, that we can really walk with him throughout the day. Friends, Jesus is showing us that this is where discipleship begins. Just being with Him throughout the day. But the text we read goes on from there. Sometimes we want to live lives where we just stay right there. There's been whole movements, the monastic movement that was all about just staying there, but it's only half of it. He calls us in His presence. You can't have the second half without that first half. The first half is important. Just be with me. But then he calls us to something else. Because our text tells us that once we are with him, it says what? It says, then he sends us out. 
You're with him and he sends us out. But I think some of us misunderstand what that means. Look at verse 14 and 15 again. It says, And he appointed twelve so that they would be with him and that he could send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. He says, Now that you're with me, now I send you out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He sends his disciples, them and us, Say, I'm a disciple. You've got to own that today. If you're a child of God, you're a disciple. He sends his disciples out to do some pretty significant things. He says, preach the gospel and set people free from demonic control. You want to understand something, friends? That's supernatural work. That's supernatural, beyond natural. That's supernatural work that cannot be done by human ability. Well, if that's true, and it's supernatural work, then how in the world can Jesus tell us to do it? How can he say to you and me, okay, be with me, and I'll go out and do something that you can't do? Now, you ever think about that? The answer is found in the text. The answer comes from one word in the text, and we're going to expand upon it for the rest of our time together, really explain it. And it's this word that's authority in your text. Authority. Some of you say power. He gives them power, gives them authority to overcome demonic control. Jesus sends us out to do his ministry, friends, get this, by his authority, but here's the missing ingredient for most, by his authority in his presence. Remember, he wants us to learn to be with him always, right? Not just in the morning. Be with him always, continually aware of his presence, and then as he is with us, to operate in the authority that he gives to us. What's this really mean? See, the word translated authority here can be translated authority or power. And this is what it means. It means really to the right, having the right, possessing the right to act. Jesus is God himself. And he has authority, right? He has the right to do whatever he wants to do, because he's God. He has the authority to preach. He has the authority to heal. He has the authority to deliver. He has been given authority. He is authority, I should say. But Scripture says this about you and me as disciples. It says that he has then given us his authority. He says he has all authority, and then he gives us his authority, so that we can do what really only he can do. We operate in the authority in His presence. As we live in His presence and act by His authority, we do things that only He can do. Now, I think this is such an important point, and I think it's a point that is so misunderstood and so not grasped by the church. I think it's really the key to getting how to operate in the power of God that I want to give you an illustration to show how it works, and then I want to show you that Scripture really proves what I have to say. Okay? So I need my boys to come up on the platform with me this morning. Told you they're going to help me preach. There's your place, Josh. You face that way. Right there is good for you. Can you talk loud? I can talk loud. Does he need a microphone? Okay. Can you talk loud? I can try. You can try. Come over here. Now, Josh, I want you to face over there. We're going to teach you about authority and presence. So you know what you're supposed to do first, right? Nice and loud. Take out the trash. Take out the trash. Um, go 
He didn't take out the trash, did he? Brett, I want you to go tell Josh that Dad said to take out the trash. Hey, Josh, Dad said take out the trash. Maybe later. Uh, I'm kind of busy right now. Let's go together once. Hey, Josh, take out the trash. Dad said to. Okay, you can take that and put it down. You saw something of a difference. You saw something. You know, Brett could just tell Josh to take out the trash, and you have kids, and that ain't going to work. Josh can even say, Dad said to take out the trash. And what he really said is really true. Yeah, maybe later. Even though he had authority. Because I said, go take out the trash. He had the authority from me. And he said, in, he went in that authority, and he said, Dad said, and, but he looked at Brett and he said, you know what, uh, maybe later. But then, I did what God does. He puts his arms around us, and he walks with us throughout the day. And when Brett said, Josh, Dad said, take out the trash, and Dad was standing there, Josh got up out of his chair, and he took out the trash. We can try it on our own, the first attempt. We can try to do the work of God that he says is impossible to do. Preaching the gospel for eternal results and overcoming demonic influence is beyond us. We can try to do it by his authority without his presence. And it frustrates us as when we feel like we're guessing. Or we can, in his authority and in his presence, do what he asks us to do. Friends, understand this today. The key to spiritual success is being aware of the reality of our Lord's presence and His direction always. When we are in His presence, we hear His voice and then we can follow His direction. It's being aware of His presence and in faith, in great faith, because you know He's standing right here with you. You have great faith. Brett didn't have to wonder if Josh was going to listen because Dad was standing there. It builds your faith to know he's there. The key is being aware of the reality of the Lord's presence and with great faith because he's standing right here with us operating in his authority and saying this is what's going to be done. This is how it works because Jesus is right here guiding and directing you and backing you up. Can you see the difference between the two? Can you see the difference between between? just saying you have his authority and having his authority in his presence? When we walk in his presence, we have faith-filled authority. We're not wishing or doing our own thing. We're doing what he enables us to do through us. Now, lest you think I'm making it up, grab your Bibles again. Turn back a few pages of the book of Matthew, to the very end of the book of Matthew. One of the most well-known sections of Scripture, and maybe you're going to see it in a way you haven't seen it before. You're going to go, oh my goodness, that's what he just did with the, with the illustration. 18 through 20 of chapter 28, the last verses of the book of Matthew. Looking at it different, we usually look at this for the commission to go out, but we missed the parts on either side of it. Jesus says, verse 18, And Jesus came up and spoke to them. Who's them? The disciples, us. Their disciples were disciples. So we could say, and Jesus came up and spoke to his disciples. 
saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, because he's God, he has all authority. Go, therefore, based on the authority, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Did you see the components there? Jesus says he has all authority. All authority he has because he's a son of God. It's all been given to him. And he says, therefore, based, therefore is a word that connects it to the sentence before. Therefore, based on my authority that scripture shows that he gives to his church, he gives to his disciples, he says, therefore, he gives his, his disciples authority to do ministry, make disciples, preach, do all the things he asked us to do. And he says, as we do that, to be effective, he is with his disciples as they minister by his authority. Here's what you need to understand. And here's what I think we usually miss. Jesus sends us out. He sends us out in his presence. He doesn't send us out away from his presence. God, I'm going to go do this for you. No. He sends us out in his presence. Look what he says. Go and make disciples and I'm going to be right there with you. That's the whole key. That's the whole difference. Jesus sends us out in his presence, not away from himself. And he sends us out with his authority as we're in his presence. You see, too often we try to use his authority without his presence, and that is powerless. And that's why the church is so often powerless, because we're not people of the presence. Remember the story in the Bible of the seven sons of Sceva? Anybody know that story? It's a great story. Kids, have your dad and mom read with you today the story of the seven sons of Sceva. Because it's great. It's authority over some guys who know that, that Paul is casting demons out of people in the name of Jesus. And they find a guy who's demon possessed. And he says this, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, come out. And the demon speaks and says, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And the demon whoops the seven guys, rips their clothes off, and they run away naked. That's a cool story. You know what it was? It was somebody trying to use the authority of Christ without the presence. That's what the seven sons excuse. It is powerless to have authority without presence. And the reason the church is so often powerless is because we say we have the authority, we know the knowledge, but we're not walking in the presence. We're not cultivating a reality of the nearness of God. We're not living in the presence of God. We shut the drawer on Him in the morning, even if we do our little time with Him, and we walk through the day under our own power, by our own agenda, instead of trying to cultivate this awareness that God's with us. Because when He's with us, He speaks to us. When He speaks to us, He tells us to do things that we can't do on our own. So Jesus sends us, sends us out in his presence with his authority. Now hang on, because some of you are going to say, but this next part ain't for me. But I'm telling you, who's the disciple? Everybody is. That's a, if you're a believer, if you know Christ, you're a disciple. He says, so, when, say when. when. Okay, he doesn't say if, right? When? When. when. So when you preach, I'm not talking about standing behind a pulpit here and preaching messages. Some of us have that job. Don't need many. Need me for a couple hundred people. But when you preach, when you simply tell others about Jesus, who he is and what he's done for you, he called all his disciples to do that. That's the preaching. 
So when you preach, when you tell people about Jesus, who he is and what he's done for you, realize that Jesus is standing right next to you and he has given you the ability to minister. He's right here saying, go ahead, pray for that person, go ahead, tell that person the gospel when you preach. You know what? And when, say when, and when you push back the kingdom of darkness, he said, illustration, casting out demons, when disciples push back the kingdom of darkness, not a pastor's job, all of our jobs, when you push back the kingdom of darkness, how? By praying for people in bondage, for praying for people in sickness, for, for, for speaking truth in darkness, by praying for your co-worker or your friend who's, who's, um, who's bound by alcohol or addiction, and you ask for permission, they let you pray for them, and God does something. So when you push back the kingdom of darkness, realize that Jesus is standing right next to you, and he has given you the ability to minister, because he's standing right here saying to you, Go ahead, pray for that guy. Go ahead, speak to that gal. He's right there with you. He's right here, and he's already given you his authority. He's already given it to you. He said it was his, and he's given it to his disciples. Now we have his authority. Now we need to merge it with his presence and walk through life as his ambassadors. Do you want to see a real example of how this works? Of course you do. Say, of course. Good. Grab your Bible. Acts chapter 3. See how this works. Acts chapter 3. Starting in the first verse. Got it? Acts 3. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to sit down every day at the temple, the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who are entering the temple. So the guy's begging for money from people coming to church. Verse 3. And when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us. And he began to give his attention expecting to receive something from them. Verse 6. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened, and with a leap he stood upright and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Do you see how it works here? Peter and John were men of the presence. Peter and John were two men at the ninth hour. They're on their way to the temple to pray. They're actually entering the doors of the temple to pray. They walked in an awareness of the Lord's reality through the fullness of the Spirit that had just been poured out upon the church. The chapter before, they just got received the fullness, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They're walking in the fullness of God's presence by His Spirit. And they come up, and they're walking in to pray. Men of the presence, cultivating the presence, and they see a man in need. And I believe, you know, I don't, it's any stretch to say, because they're walking in the nearness, they heard the voice of the Lord, by the Spirit of the Lord, say, minister to this man. Because they're walking connected relationship. 
They saw him in need and they responded. And listen to what Peter says in verse 6. Because it, it says something that maybe you overlooked. It says that Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold. But this next part. But what I do have. He says, I have something. What I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. He says, what I do have, I give to you. He had something more valuable and powerful than silver and gold. He had the authority of Jesus Christ. And as he walked in the Lord's presence, he's the man of the presence, he took what had been given him, the authority of Jesus to minister, to do things that only God can do, and he gave it to the lame man, and he was healed. He took the authority. He said, what I have, he had received it, authority. What I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. Friends, Jesus says to his disciples, come and be with me. And then preach and minister with the authority that I have given to you. To you. We minister by his authority in his presence. Do you see the heart here today? It all flows from being with him. It all starts with being in his presence. It all starts, he says to his disciples, I'm calling you to be with me. And as you're with me, then I'm going to send you out and I'm going to go with you as I send you out. And I've given you this gift, this authority of mine. And I want you to use that authority now in the world around you. You know what? I think if we'll take the challenge and we'll stay connected to God, we're going to hear His voice. We're going to take the authority He's given us and we're going to see the impossible become possible. Let's wake up tomorrow morning. Maybe wake up after your nap today and say good morning Lord and then become aware of his presence all day long and talk with him all day long and then look for opportunities to minister with his authority because friends that's what he calls his disciples to he calls you and me to live that life amen Would you stand with me this morning?